0: Uh, good afternoon everyone, uh, my name is Ben and I'm uh, one of the senior staff here with the EU staff team uh, and it's my great pleasure and privilege to be uh, here with you again to open up this part of the world as we think about what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, now today I'd like to start with another question for you to ponder and that is why are you studying Why you're studying? Why are you studying what you're studying here at at Sydney University? I wonder, is it because of a desire to achieve? Do you strive to achieve, strive to do more and accomplish more, strive to be the, you know, you might have heard this, the very best version of the person that you could be, the very best version of yourself that you could be? Why are you studying your course? Why are you studying here at, at Sydney University? Is it because you want to achieve in life? Well, I wonder, does that desire to achieve, does it ever become a burden to you? Is it something that weighs down heavily upon you? Do you ever feel that it's something you must do, that you need to keep on doing more, accomplishing more, achieving more and more? See, I think so much of our world, uh, so much of our culture is performance-driven. That's how the world works, isn't it? You put the hard work in, and you get the results. That's how it works with uni assignments, right? If you you read, you do the research, you think and you write, and then you get the marks. So if you work hard, put a lot of hard work in, you get HDs. But if you don't, well, you all know what happens. Or, you know, if you go on prac, if you're a teacher or on placement, if you're doing health sciences or something like that, or in your internship... um, you work hard to you know prepare your lessons if you're doing it on practice. And you know, you teach your lessons, and then hopefully if you prepared well, you don't get eaten alive by a room full of teenagers, and they just might learn something. And your supervisor or your boss marks you as competent. You get some good feedback. That's the way our world works. You work hard to achieve and then you get the results. Well, perhaps for you, it's it's your parents. You feel that your parents have always expected you to to achieve more, to do your best, to be better and better. Now, they might not say it out loud, but you feel the weight of their expectations, and you know when they're disappointed. You know, maybe you know you were that child who you know brings home an exam that has ninety six percent on it. You're really proud. You take it up to your mother, and she looks at it. And what do you hear? You hear what happened to the other 4%? That's what you hear. I, I remember that happening to me <laughs> once. Do you strive to achieve? And maybe, just maybe, does this ever spill over into your relationship with God? Now, do you think, do you feel that you need to continuously strive? to achieve more and more, that that's what God requires of you. Well, if that's you, then this little episode, this little episode in Luke's story of Jesus, speaks into that burden. It speaks into that weight, that, that feeling of expectation. Because here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus teaches that following Jesus means first listening to him. See, before we do anything for Jesus, following Jesus means first listening to Him. Now, last week, as we began this series on discipleship, on following Jesus, we saw that following Jesus, God's Saviour King, means giving up our lives now and being all in for Jesus to share in His future glory because He gave His all for us. Now, here in chapter 10, Jesus is still on his way towards Jerusalem, he's still heading to the climax of the story and on the way he's teaching more and more about discipleship. He's teaching large groups of people, crowds of people, not just his 12 chosen disciples but at the beginning of chapter 10 Jesus sends out at least 70 followers ahead of him to go to the villages to kind of prepare the way and he's teaching large crowds about what it means to follow him. But here at the end of chapter 10, we're kind of transported from that big context, Jesus' public ministry on his journey to Jerusalem, to a very intimate home. We're brought into a domestic scene, the home of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Now first, Luke introduces us to Martha, and she's every bit the hospitable hostess. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Now from John's Gospel, we know that uh, Martha and Mary live with their brother Lazarus in Bethany, a village near Jerusalem. So Jesus has a at to Bethany and uh, Martha's inviting him over for dinner. Now it's a great honour for Martha to have Jesus in her home. But of course, With such great honour comes great responsibility. She needs to honour such an important guest to show him appropriate hospitality, and she feels the weight of this. There's so much to do as the hospitable hostess. That's Martha. But then we're introduced, almost incidentally, to Mary, Martha's sister. Now, Mary's very different from Martha. She's every bit the devoted disciple. Verse 39, she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now Mary couldn't be more different to Martha. She's also glad that Jesus is in their home but she makes the most of this wonderful opportunity and just sits herself down at Jesus' feet and listens to him, just hanging on every word that Jesus said. Every bit the devoted disciple. Different, very different to Martha. See, while Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus, being a devoted disciple, Mary's, Martha's busy doing things. She's busy being the hospitable hostess. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She's busy doing all that needs to be done now that this important guest is in her home. Uh, now I've got two sisters, uh, one older than me, one younger. So you could say I'm the thorn between two roses, I suppose. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and they're very different, my sisters. So my oldest sister, Sharon, she's three years older than me. Um, she's a real Martha, you practical, organised, diligent. She makes things happen, a real doer. But my youngest sister, Megan, is a, a lot of my Uh, more of a Mary, I guess. She's more like me in many ways. She'll probably tell you this because when we were growing up, she's about five years younger than me. um, I used to just make her play all the games that I wanted to play (laughs) growing up. But she really loves cricket now. Um, (laughs) Fancy that. Anyway, um, but my sister Megan, she's a lot more like me. You know, A bit dreamy, a bit off with the fairies, living in her head most of the time. Martha and Mary are very different. As hospitable hostess, Martha is distracted by all the preparations she feels she needs to do. Um, Now we read Bible stories to our children and for Rupert, our three-year-old, each night we read a story from the Beginner's Bible. It has, you know, these nice cartoons and short sentences um, so he can understand it. And this story's in it. And here it says, Meanwhile, Martha was busy cooking and cleaning. There was so much to do. Now, in the culture and, uh, the, in, in the culture of that time and place, there were high expectations on hostesses. If you had such an important guest in your home, then you're expected to treat them well, and your reputation depended upon this. There would have to be lots of good food, and your guests would need to be comfortable, so the house would have to be clean. So Martha feels the burden and responsibility of all of this to treat Jesus well, to honour such an honoured guest in her home. She feels the pressure. And as Mary just continues to sit there, listening to Jesus, Martha keeps working away, cooking and cleaning, cleaning and cooking, feeling that pressure more and more until eventually she just explodes at Jesus. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, suddenly, she's not quite the hospitable hostess anymore, is she? In her frustration and resentment at having to do all this work herself, Martha ends up questioning Jesus about whether he cares about her and then ordering him to tell Mary to help. Now, to get a, I guess, more of a picture of, of what this is like, it's a little bit. Like as if, you say whoever you live with, maybe a sister or a brother or a housemate, say you decide to invite uh, Malcolm Turnbull, oh hang on, that's, that's not right anymore, no, <laughs> no, 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 okay, not uh, Scott Morrison, right, he's, he's still the PM this week, right, he has, hasn't changed, no, so good, okay, say, say you decide to invite Scott Morrison over for dinner. Uh, so, you know, his car pulls up and you usher him inside, sit him down in the living room, serve him a drink, and then you go off to the kitchen, you know, to, to get ready to check on the, you know, your home baked sourdough that's in the oven and your, your, uh, the slow cooker that has the, you know, the beef cheeks in it, um, and to start preparing the entree, you know, fresh seared scallops or something. Um, but meanwhile, your housemaid, your brother's or sisters have just poured themselves a drink and they've sat down opposite. The PM, and, and they've just asked, you know, So, Scott, tell me what happened that week in Canberra? <laughs> what happened? And they just leave you to do all the work by yourself. Well, you know, you'd probably be a bit shocked at first. And if you're anything like me, you'd start, you know, banging, you know, being extra loud in the kitchen, <laughs> just making it obvious that you're doing all this work, banging, mixing bowls and spoons around. And there's frustration at the sheer unfairness. Actually, no, the injustice, the complete injustice of this situation starts to boil, starts to build up and eventually it boils over and you explode. You, know, you storm out of the kitchen, into the living room, interrupt the PM mid-sentence and say, Prime Minister, don't you care that this, this lazy slob here has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell, tell him to help me. Now, rather than honouring Jesus as her guest, Martha questions him and orders him, tells him what to do. She embarrasses both Jesus and herself. Now, sure, all her hard work, it comes from a good place. She welcomes Jesus into her home. She wants him to be looked after. But, as Luke says, Martha was distracted. Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And Jesus gently points this out. And he says that following him means first listening to him. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus gently corrects her. He names her anxiety about many things, all the things that she thinks she needs to do as a hospitable hostess. And Jesus affirms Mary's choice, the choice of a devoted disciple. And he says, this is the better choice. And Jesus won't take it away from her because following Jesus means first, listening to him. I wonder, are you worried, upset, anxious about many things in the busyness of life? Following Jesus means first listening to him. Now Jesus wasn't the only voice saying, listen to me, in this part of Luke's story of Jesus. As Jesus heads towards Jerusalem, God himself also says, listen to Jesus. So if you've got your Bible there, uh, flick back or scroll back to chapter 9 from verse 28. Now here Luke tells the episode that happens just after the one we looked at last week. Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James and John, up a mountain to pray. And while they're up there, his appearance changes and they get a glimpse of his glory. Uh, We call this the transfiguration. Moses and Elijah appear and they talk with Jesus about his departure, which is soon to happen in Jerusalem where Jesus is going to suffer and die and rise again. Now, Peter and James and John, they're in a bit of a daze at first, as you can understand why they would be. But as Moses and Elijah kind of disappear, Peter snaps out of it and he says, Jesus, this is great. Let's let's build some shelters and hang out here a little bit. You know, you, Moses, Elijah, and us." See, while they're talking, Moses and Elijah, with Jesus about his departure, the fulfillment of all God's plans, Peter's saying, let's stay put. Let's hang out. Let's make this moment last. So what does God have to say to Peter then? Well, if you pick it up in verse 34 and 35, while he was speaking, while Peter was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Following Jesus means first listening to him. But what was it that Jesus was saying? See, if you come back, come back with me to to Martha and Mary's house, to Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet, listening, hanging on every word, what was Jesus saying? Well, how, how have we answered that question? Well, we look at what Jesus has been saying in this part of Luke's story. We'll go back to chapter 9, verse 43, halfway through the verse there. Luke says, While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Jesus says to his disciples, listen, listen up. I'm going to suffer and die. It's the same thing that he said last week in chapter 9, verse 22. I'm going to suffer, die and rise again for you. To fulfill God's plan of salvation as the Christ, God's Saviour King, as the powerful Son of Man. Following Jesus means first listening to Him, And Jesus says, I suffered, I died, and I rose again for you. Uh, now, a friend at church named Joy, she told me about a, a Christian friend of hers, a, a young Christian woman. Uh, and this young Christian woman, she was a real high achiever, a real marker, if you like. Uh, She loved being busy with uni. She was quite successful in her studies. She was also super involved in lots of ministries, at church and on campus. She gave lots of her time and energy to serving. She did a lot for God. But one day she was on a a bushwalk with some friends in the Blue Mountains and uh, suddenly, without any warning, she was just standing on a a cliff face and the cliff just crumbled away from under and she fell and injured her spine. And she had to spend the next year, a full 12 months, just recovering in hospital. Suddenly, she couldn't move. She had to stop. She couldn't be busy anymore. She couldn't do anything, really, except lie there on her hospital bed, just waiting for her spine to heal. And as she lay there in hospital, thinking and praying, She had to come to terms with the fact that even though she couldn't do anything for God, she couldn't do anything for Jesus, she was still loved by God. All she could do was listen to Jesus and hear Jesus say, I suffered, died and rose again for you. So you're now a beloved child of God. Even though she couldn't do anything but lie in her bed, she was still loved by Jesus, a precious child of God. And nothing could ever change that. Now, after she recovered, the truth of God's grace shaped her whole life. And now she, she serves and does things now, secure in the knowledge of God's love and grace for her in the Lord Jesus. Following Jesus means first listening to you. Hearing him say, I suffered, died, and rose again for you. Now just imagine for a minute that that happened to you. How would you feel? How would you respond? If suddenly you weren't able to do anything, if you weren't able to do the things you can do, if suddenly you weren't able to achieve and strive, if suddenly all you could do was just lie on a hospital bed, waiting to recover, would you be content? Would it be enough for you to listen to Jesus and hear him say, I suffered, died and rose for you? So you're a beloved child of God. You're loved, precious, treasured by God. And nothing you do, nothing you can't do, can change that one bit. See, that's the wonderful liberating truth of God's grace. See, the Jesus who stopped in at, at Martha and Mary's place on the way to Jerusalem, the Jesus who taught Mary as, as she hung on every word, the Jesus who gently rebuked Martha in her distracted distress and affirmed Mary's better choice, this same Jesus was heading to Jerusalem where he would suffer, die and rise again, where he would give his life as a ransom for you and for me this same Jesus would take upon himself the punishment that we deserve so that we could come back as forgiven children into God's family. Following Jesus means first listening to him. It means hearing him say, I suffered, died, and rose again for you. So what are the things that distract you? You What are the many things you find yourself worrying about? that distract you from listening to Jesus? What stops you from hearing Jesus say, I suffered, died and rose again for you? What stops you living in his grace, sitting at his feet and listening to him? Now, is it the burden of achieving more and more, the weight of striving after uh, more and more accomplishments, to do more, to be better? Uh, Doing things to fulfill what you think others expect of you. Maybe even to fulfill what you think God expects from you. What worries and anxieties stop you from being a devoted disciple? Now Jesus says now those things may be good. But you know what I want you know what I want first from you? I want you to listen to me. Sit at my feet. Gaze up in my face and hang on every word. Following Jesus means first listening to Jesus. So how can you listen to Jesus first? How can you remind yourself of his grace? Well, today, obviously we can't sit at Jesus' physical feet, as Mary did, but we can still hear Jesus' voice. We can still be reminded of His grace by reading the words written about Jesus in the Bible. And we can do that, we can do that together, I think, and individually as well. Uh, we can do that together with one another, with other disciples of Jesus. Now, I guess in many ways, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. I mean, you, you are here at Public you you invested this hour of your time, of your week, um, in being here at uni to listen to Jesus from the Bible. So I uh, keep coming back to be reminded that following Jesus first means listening to I uh, Keep coming as a devoted disciple with other d- disciples of Jesus. Um, and of course, we can do that at church as well. So be an active member of your church. Show up each Sunday to hear God speak and maybe even read the passage beforehand. Look it up so that you can get the most out of that word from the Lord each week. And of course, there's also small groups at church and and here in the EU. And of course, we can listen to Jesus by ourselves as we read the Bible individually. Now, I don't want to make this just another area of achievement. I know it's very easy to make Christians feel guilty about reading the Bible in prayer. Uh, That would kind of defeat the, the whole purpose of this talk, actually, and what Jesus says here. It would go against Jesus' words of grace as we listen to him. But in a world where so many voices are saying to us, you yeah. know, do this, be that, achieve more, fulfill your potential, we do need to hear Jesus say, I suffered, died, and rose again for you. We need to listen to Jesus. Now here I think we can be um, a little bit creative. You know, use your commute if you have a long commute to uni. Uh Listen to the Bible if that works better for you. Uh, I was speaking to one of the nursing students last uh, semester and she was saying she catches a bus to uni and she gets sick, you know, you know sort of Catholic reading. Um, so I suggested, you know, why don't you just listen to the Bible? There's uh, recordings you can access the Bible online. And that could work if you walk or ride um, as part of your commute as well. And just a tip here, um, in this world where you know we're constantly bombarded by more and more information, if you only have five minutes, then spend one minute reading and four minutes thinking and praying in response. One minute reading, thinking and praying. To help you really listen to Jesus. To take in Jesus' words and grace. Following Jesus means first listening to Him. Hearing Jesus say, I suffered, I died, and I rose again for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you did send Jesus, and that before you want us to do anything, you want us first to listen to him. Thank you so much that he suffered, died, and rose again for us so that we could be your beloved children. Help us not to be distracted by the busyness of life, but indeed to make it a priority to listen to Jesus, to hear your words of grace to us in Him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.